Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Rob. We're a writing team from New Jersey with a passion for film. An aggressive, all-consuming passion. Well, whenever we see a news article we find, like, insane, uh, immediately it's... How can we make a movie out of this? Every episode we read a crazy article from different sources and tumble down our own rabbit hole. Discussing cast, crew, and plot. And then we hash out a pitch for a feature film. So, join us as we BS about movies and ask the important question... What do you got? What do you got? Hello, everyone. Welcome back to uh, What Do You Got? This is episode two. I'm your host, Nick, and I'm here with co-host. Huh? Your your name, sir. Oh, Rob. Ah, there we go. He's got it. Uh, so if you haven't joined us yet, which, you know, there's only You been, haven't. You definitely haven't. There's you only probably been. haven't at this point. <laughs> it's only been one episode, and, uh, you know. Catch up. Get on board. Uh, so uh, we've just explained pretty much what we do here on What Do You Got. Uh, so you want to just jump right into it and uh, talk about this wackadoodle 1920s story? Sure. Hats. Right. People in this country have for uh, its entire existence cared about things that they should not, <laughs> usually involving their, their skulls. I, I just I find it so funny that this story is literally fashion police. Like that's that's what this is. Yes, it's 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 not even fashion police. It's fashion vigilantism. <laughs> everyone, it's suddenly we'll get into it. But there's a time of the year at this period of history where everyone just becomes fashion punisher. <laughs> yeah, this is not the hat. This is not the, uh, the the hat that we deserve right now. But it's the hat that we need. <laughs> <laughs> in, uh, in the most queer eye for the straight guy manner possible. <laughs> The year is 1922. <laughs> <laughs> it actually, so so reading through it, it actually goes further back than that. It actually, the the first time it was, I did a little bit of research on this one. The first time it was referenced, well, I, it might say in the article that we read, which was an article from Slate.com, which will... We should probably uh, say what the it is. We haven't actually explained That's true. <laughs> yeah, okay. So uh, let's just say the title of the article. Uh, the 1922 Straw Hat Riot was one of the weirdest crime sprees in American history. Uh, this is from uh, Slate.com, written by Justin Peters... In 2013, we'll link the article down below uh, for each episode. So if you ever want to read the actual yeah, article, he texted this to me at like three o'clock in the morning in all caps. <laughs> can is, you believe this, this is, is a thing? Episode. I absolutely can because because <laughs> this country contextually, up. yeah, hats for like a good hundred years of American history were so weirdly important. Whether yeah. it was we associate with fedoras mm-hmm. in the 40s, like you go out and you wear your hat. Yeah, when you're walking the street, and you're wearing your hat. Whether it be the fedora of the 40s and the 50s, just picture Cary Grant. You've you've got it. Or going back to this, straw hats in the yeah. summertime, or like, just, you know, tricorns in, uh, in early American history. Like, legitimately, in this time frame, if, if you weren't wearing a hat outside, yeah. that is like the, that is the, uh, that is equal to literally walking outside without pants on today. Yeah. Like, people would look it's at you so and be like, weird. what? Who is this vagrant? <laughs> Why is this homeless man just wandering about my city? <laughs> um... But in the article and, and doing some follow-up research, this goes as far back as uh, 1910, so 12 years prior. Uh, September 15th of 1910, I have a little little quote here from the Pittsburgh Press. Quote, police had to interfere in more than one instance to protect straw-lidded pedestrians, unquote. <laughs> yeah, so just contextually, there was, you would wear a straw hat in the summertime because I guess it was nice and breathable and yeah. it'd work with the color suit you'd be wearing. Yeah, and if you ever got pulled off a stage with a giant cane, it just looked <laughs> <Yeah>. better. <laughs> but there is, for reasons even the article doesn't understand, September 15th was the last day yeah. of the year you could wear 
a straw hat yeah. before you had to switch over to something better for the fall uh, and the winter. It was it was a legal cutoff date. Like, and that's <laughs> this is something else they point out. That's not Labor Day. Yeah, that's not the official end of summer. Yeah, somebody just went, nah, the fifteenth. I don't fi- want to see him anymore. Why? Why the fifteenth? You, ha- you hack, <laughs> John. Why the fifteenth? Because fuck you. Because <laughs> fuck Take you. Off that's your hat. why. <laughs> Stop wearing your fucking hat. That's why. Jesus, put on some felt. It's not straw time anymore. It's getting cold. Your little heady's going to get cold out there. You don't want straw on your head. Look at Jedediah wearing his stupid hat. <laughs> Whatever the hell their names were. Just making fun of Amish people. <laughs> no, they wear nice, breathable, wide-brim hats all year round. Yeah, it's, they know it's, what they're doing. It's insane, but the... The story that we're going to be focusing on today and, and what's going to be our pitch is the the Straw Hat Riot of 1922. So, again, this is 12 years after the first time this was written about in papers. So this had been going on for more than a decade with and, these, like, small riots and, like... Well, it, there were incidences of violence, but, like, we shouldn't even say Straw Hat Riot. Like, yeah. for three days, it yeah. sounds like people were fighting in the streets yeah. over it hats. literally just a giant three-day street fight. Like the end of gangs <laughs> in New York. Well, which is funny you bring that up because we'll get into that. <laughs> so, um... And then it just petered out. Yeah. And it was just but like... But for three days, people... It started, uh, I think the article says, on the docks. People were... Knocking uh, straw hats off a you know longshoreman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who don't do that. They have forearms the size of watermelons, and people are hitting each other hitting each other with nailed clubs. Yeah. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna read a, a quick excerpt from the article. Uh, this is a, a middle paragraph. Uh, quote, the truth of that observation was borne out in New York City in 1922 when a hat snatching turned into a full-fledged days-long riot. It began when a few kids in Manhattan's Mulberry Bend section decided to disregard the traditional September 15th deadline and start snatching hats early on September 13th. It wasn't so, even the deadline! <laughs> so they were going against the legal, the, the legality of it before yep. it was even an issue. Oh my God. Uh, they targeted some dock workers. The dock workers got angry and began to fight back. One thing led to another, and soon enough, large hat hatting gangs, large yeah, large hat hatting gangs, were roaming through the city, snatching hats and attacking people en masse, occasionally using clubs studded with sharp nails. With end nails. quote. Jesus Christ! <laughs> I gotta believe historically. I mean, it's 1922. I got to believe it's because people were bored because World War One was over. Yeah, right. Like, like, we have nothing to complain about right now. A what lot should of we be doing? Off, probably unemployed veterans yeah. getting drunk and being like, you're flouting <laughs> social norms. I didn't survive the trenches for this. To the lost. Um, so why don't we uh, why don't we get right into it as we'll continue to discuss the actual story itself, yeah. but what we've come up with. So Rob, yeah, I, I wish we I wish actually we could tell more story in leading into this, but there's not. There was just a yeah. ride for three days, yeah, yeah, over we, hats, and then it just stopped. We've done we've done some research to find out more about this, but but beyond beyond this article and a very small Wikipedia page that pretty much states the same things, there's not much out there that we can go off of. Yeah, I think this article is one of the sources for the Wikipedia page. Too. Honestly, yeah. So we got nothing out of it. Yeah. So uh, Rob. What do you got? Cue the theme song. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, wait. We already did the theme song. Uh, Cue so, something. <laughs> first, uh, my pitch to direct this as a... Um, I, I, I picture it as kind of very much traveling from location to location, following the same group of guys that were there at the beginning from, okay. from, the, uh, from the Lower East Side of Manhattan, I think they mentioned, uh, as a group of young friends. Um, I want it to be Edgar Wright 
directing this? That is my choice. Holy shit. We chose the same director. <laughs> we don't talk about this in advance, you guys. Holy shit. Yeah, we, we literally do not talk about this in yeah. advance. We choose our things and then discuss it on the podcast. Yeah, because there's this, an element of absurdity to this, but also like people have to be fighting that reminds me of The World's End, mm-hmm. uh, one of my favorite Edgar Wright movies. Uh, and I, well, I, I haven't seen that one actually. It's it's kind of exactly this. It's just yeah. drunks uh, fighting. Uh, <laughs> it's a very underrated film. It is. Uh, well, it's because it came out the same time as uh, the Seth Rogen, uh, um, yeah. James Franco one. What the hell is that one called? This the is end? the end. This is, is the end. Yeah. and the world's end. Yeah. Uh, unfortunate timing. Yeah. But uh, it's to me his most emotionally complex of the movies he did with Simon Pegg and Nick mm-hmm. Frost. But, yeah, there's an energy that he brings to certain things with quick cuts and, and the way he does action and the uh, the notion of absurd humor that is completely normal to everyone participating in yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, like, the, no, this is just what it is. Like, <laughs> the greater good uh, kind of thing. So I would really love to see what he does with that and with a period piece, which he hasn't really done before. Right. Uh, and then I have a cast of three main guys I okay. want to see play sort of the, the street toughs uh, from Manhattan that spark this, uh, which are... Uh, Ansel Elgort, Lucas mm-hmm. Hedges, and Ashton Sanders. Who's Ashton Sanders? Ashton Sanders uh, plays a younger uh, version of the main character in Moonlight. Oh, okay, uh, gotcha. Yeah, I think he's like the teenage uh, version of that character. And for anyone listening, Lucas Hedges is from Manchester by the Sea, and Ansel Elgort is from uh, Baby Driver. Baby Driver, uh, what's the young adult uh, thing he did with the cancer? <laughs> the young adult thing with the cancer? 50-50? Yeah. No, no. Uh, what's her name? Shailene Woodley is in that. Oh, I don't know. I get him and Taron Egerton Fault in our confused. Stars. Fault in our stars. Oh, okay. I got it. I get him and Taron Egerton confused like every five seconds. They both have very silly names. Yeah. <laughs> Ansel Egert, Taron Egerton. Yep. <laughs> and uh, just as kind of like the, I was thinking as the head of like the Longshoremen's Dock Working Union, uh, John Hawks. Ooh, nice. I like that uh, one. Who does not get enough work and he is a not. fantastic actor. Man, if you've never seen um, one, uh, uh, The Perfect Storm, Perfect he's Storm. phenomenal in that. Um, oh, what's the other one he did with like Jennifer Lawrence's first Winter's film? Bone. Winter's Bone. He was Academy Award nominated yeah, for that. That, yeah. that man is a, a talent to behold. Yeah. Um, how about titles? Do you have any titles? Uh, I couldn't actually come up with one. Okay. Other than... Uh, I mean, I don't think there's been a film called Riot, so that's kind of what I was just like. Ooh, like on. single word. I like yeah. that. All right. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. All right. So, ask me my thing. You gotta what say do you the, got? You got to say, you got to say the title. What do you got? <laughs> uh, so, as we both know now, uh, I chose Edgar Wright as my director as well. Um, I, I literally have written <laughs> above it in my notes a comedy version of Gangs of New York. Wow. I I want to. <laughs> reference Gangs of New York as much as possible in this film and I want it to just be yeah I want it to literally just be the comedic version of that movie I want I want the final riot to be them just running at each other in the streets you know Uh the the riots the the police officers and the the people fighting back everything like that Um, so for my cast I chose I chose four characters uh, I, I chose a main detective because I wanted to try mm-hmm. and turn it into like a, a hard-boiled detective comedy okay. where like it's like he's like he's maybe about to retire but he's like I gotta solve this damn straw hat issue and he's like going after people but who I chose was Adrian Brody. Wow. So I want Adrian Brody to play a 1920s detective. He's got an old New York face. Yeah. Trying to stop this uh, trying to stop this riot from from furthering mm-hmm. uh the main uh i guess kid uh for the for the riot gang i chose tom holland cool another another little english boy, Cur- boy. currently known as spider-man um i did come up with a bill sykes-esque character Ooh. to like lead the gang 
of uh, okay. of, of okay. tiny children riots, uh, and I'm I'm bringing in Simon Pegg. Okay, because it's, okay. it's Edgar Wright. We're gonna put him um, in prosthetics. <laughs> I had I kind of had this idea to keep both Tom Holland and Simon Pegg in their natural accents and just not explain it. No, the, it's, the it's, fact that they're in New York City in the 20s, but yeah. just keep it in their it's accents. New York, they're one of the heights of immigration yeah. <laughs> to this to this country, and that so, all comes through New York. Yeah. So they're not playing Americans at all. They're playing yeah. Brits, and yeah. they just have they just fucking hate straw hats. <laughs> um, and then I, I I I ended it off with like a main like starting point victim uh-huh. that kind of gets like the the uprising the first together guy down with the yeah drugs. yeah and uh, I chose John Cusack for that okay um, I don't really know why <laughs> other than I loved him in 1920s garb in uh, Eight Men Out back in the 80s so I want to bring oh, it back to that time frame movie. he plays Buck Weaver yeah, yeah dude, that movie's freaking amazing it's been a long time since I've seen that I, I literally want to just bring him back to Same that time, time period yeah. yeah 1918 versus 1922 yeah. Um, and then I did write a little bit of a plot down. So I, I just wrote down, uh, detective gets wind of fashion crimes happening all over the city after an initial outbreak. One man, John Cusack's character, decides to fight back after being attacked, but a group of young adults and assaulted NYPD wage war on street gangs and attempt to arrest all associated with the Straw Hat Riots. Interesting. Um, I did come up with a couple titles. Okay. Uh, the titles I came up with, the, the Straw Hat Men, <laughs> uh, Mulberry Bend, since that is where the, the kids are apparently from, yep. and The Hat Smashing. <laughs> now, as I was doing research on this, there are other fashion riots throughout the throughout the century in America. Uh, this, so I created some sequels. Um, <laughs> oh, you're getting a little out of yourself. We haven't so, even gotten this pitch. Yeah, so I, I didn't I didn't pitch anything at all. I just yeah. put together the ones that are big frames. So there was the Zoot Suit riots Very of famous. 1943, uh-huh. and then there was the Hard Hat riots of 1970 with all the uh, the construction workers. Mm-hmm. So I figured we could make this a little trilogy, if you will. <laughs> Time jumping. <laughs> um, so I got to say, we we probably agree on our director. Yep. Um, definitely an Edgar Wright. Uh, fanfare here um i like your idea of having a main group of kids because i i didn't focus on the kids as much as i focused on the adults fighting back mm-hmm. i guess i would say um so i definitely like that idea of bringing them in there because mm-hmm. i i can i can just see this with edgar wright's like cinematography those quick side shots uh sw- side shots and like oh, yeah. all that stuff just coming together but the best part about that is like Think about Baby Driver with all the crazy quick cuts and the cars and stuff. Mm-hmm. Do the same thing, but in 1920s New York with yeah. old crappy cars. Yeah, model you know? Ts. And yeah, probably still horse carts and people getting ice delivered in their homes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> milk cartons yeah. or milk bottles and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. um, it's a weird time. My grandma used to show me photos of like, yeah, this is the man who would come around. He'd shave ice off of a big block of ice in the back of his car and he'd put that in the uh, in the ice box. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And keep stuff cold. I'm like, oh, crazy. Like, yeah. I can I can see kind of this sort of world building, if you will, of like these oh, yeah. type of characters and like how like you know, there's the milkman and the ice shaving guy, <laughs> yeah. and then like all of a sudden towards the end, you see them like with weapons, like yeah. fighting this giant the riot. Sets, the sets I, w- I would love to see in the same way of gangs in New York that yeah. they essentially built a slice of. Uh, 1860s New York yeah. in, in Italy uh, at a place called Cinecita Studios. Oh, they filmed in Italy for gangs? Yeah. Uh, have you ever heard of Cinecita? Uh-uh. It was actually, this was actually started by Mussolini because he wanted to have like a, a big film industry in Italy. Yeah, he was but, a good guy. No. Cinecita <laughs> 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 means obviously Cinema City. Okay. Uh, and it's just this huge expanse of land that they'll build sets on. Um, huge, massive sets. Like, they built everything from Gangs of New York, the whole five points and oh, the wow. different places they're on. Uh, the set of uh, HBO's Rome 
Oh, okay. Uh, which was this beautiful, expansive look back at uh, at ancient Rome, hmm. just down in the gutter and everything. Uh, so you, you have all that land there to build sets on. That's sometimes crazy. Sometimes they reuse it. Like I think the Rome sets showed up in Doctor Who and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, I, w- I would. I would love to see it. Just use a little bit of CGI to fill in the backdrops. And keep you know keep everything <laughs> practical sets and stuff like that. There's a there's a story about the the period sets they built for gangs in New York uh, that uh, George Lucas came to visit Martin Scorsese mm-hmm. while they were filming it and he's taking around like oh yeah and we put all this into making it look like just this intersection in in 1860s New York and like all the buildings are like authentic and you can go inside <laughs> them and stuff and George is just like oh well you know you can do this with computers now <laughs> you know, like, it fucking shows George it fucking shows. <laughs> Oh man, it's just like it's CGI in moderation. That's yeah. that's what we need. It's flavor in film. Yeah. That's that's literally what it should be. Um, Actually, cover your actors and shit. They'll be fine. <laughs> I mean, if you talk to DiCaprio, he's willing. He'll do it. It's especially with Scorsese. He'll so do whatever the fuck uh, it takes. Yeah, I guess let's try and hash out the the plot of this and where it's going to go. Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, it's interesting to me that you were looking at following uh, a member of the the Metro Police. Yeah. During this, because I had kind of the exact opposite sort of idea. Okay. Um, one of my favorite, like, this is what New York was like in this time period movies is The Warriors. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah. And it's sort of accuracy to... That was the 70s, right? Or was that yeah. the 80s? Yeah. 70s? What okay. a, what a shit gang-filled shithole yeah, uh, yeah, New yeah. York was in the 70s, and just people wearing colors and cuts, uh, and the constant subway hopping and, and neighborhood turf wars and stuff like that. And one of the things I liked about that movie is that the police are a constant presence throughout it, but, like, you'd be hard-pressed to remember a policeman's face from that movie. Yeah. They're a force. They're constantly a force that comes into a scene and drives the characters into another neighborhood. That's a good point. Is I like that, I, yeah. I like about the Warriors. Is like I need to rewatch that movie. The cops just show up and shut shit down. Yeah. And fight or accidentally kill. <laughs> yeah, that's that's interesting. They're li- they're literally just a force. They're not really characters. Yeah. Um, I kind of like that. I would... I would I would uh I'd cut Adrian Brody for that for that idea. They're a blue blur to me. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I think I I like that idea more. I think you're right. The idea of kind of making it literally more about the riot itself and not I mean the thing is do you do you keep a main character or do you do a main ensemble? I would do ensemble. We'd have to, right? Um let me see. You can bring uh, in your three, and then we'll bring in Tom Holland to have a fourth. There you go. <laughs> and they, I like the sort of, you know, uh, Oliver Twist, Fagin sort of character Yeah. Uh, that you brought in. Uh, it's interesting now. I actually just Googled Mulberry Bend, where these guys were from the start of the riot. It is in the Five Points, which is the neighborhood, oh, really? okay. the neighborhood from Gangs of New York. Yep. Uh, I'm not sure that street is even there anymore. But uh, I, don't I, know. I guess what is our inciting sort Incident. of reason for them going out and and starting shit kind of for no reason i don't know do do we explain it i mean this is this is kind of an unexplainable phenomenon we don't know why these people were so pissed off at the fact of people wearing straw hats and we especially don't know why there was this cutoff date Mm -hmm. do we explain it since there really wasn't one or do we do we take creative license and create one I would almost kind of start the movie with this, like, pre-credits uh, black-and-white choppy film roll, like, educational video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, like, be sure to take off your straw hats before the Yes, time. yeah, uh, exactly. Before we actually, like, just expand the aspect ratio and get yeah. into, like, where these guys are. Yeah, September 15th is coming up. Make sure you take off your straw hats for the full season. 
Just remember, starting September 16th, if you're seen with a straw hat on, you will be bludgeoned with a club-nailed spike. <laughs> Just rotating film cylinders. Probably do that thing where, like, the film ends and it sort of burns off. Yeah, yeah, right. And then just suddenly we we shoot into the five points. not like that at all. But I think that idea. So it's 1922. Yeah. Young people in New York... Uh, of a certain age aren't going to be veterans of the First World War. Absolutely, yeah. Um, maybe not Tom Holland because he always looks pretty young, but we can have this kind of mixed crew of people. I believe Prohibition has already begun by this point. That was uh, what, 20, 1920, I think, yeah. yeah. And that leads to the rise of just a lot of street gangs and organized crime and yeah. bootlegging and people. I feel like the, the notion of neighborhood turf and, and gangs became really ingrained into city culture. Yeah, 1920 to 1933 was Prohibition. Yeah. So so we're in the middle of that, so I would say that that could yeah. play a big part into the straw yeah, hat We're thing. in back of the dock speakeasies and yeah. just uh, slums and people making like bathtub gin in the five points. Yeah. And it's probably not going to look all that different from gangs in New York. No, no, honestly not. But I, <laughs> the buildings are taller, but... The idea of like the speakeasies and like we... I would say the the first inciting incident could happen at a speakeasy, where like they're just all sitting there, but they're wearing straw hats, and then this group of people come in and just kind of like it, kind of like a heist, like they're they're holding up the place, <laughs> and like I don't know, maybe they just do something with the straw hats as they're like stealing booze or something like that. That'd be interesting, just yeah. kind of piss off this group of young people who have nothing better to do, and some of whom. No violence <laughs> from having been in the Great War. Yeah, so I like that a lot. Because when did World War One ended? What nineteen nineteen? Nineteen nineteen. Yeah. yeah. Was, uh, so I think it was fourteen to nineteen. Yeah, something yeah. like that. So that that literally World War One vets would be right there. That would yeah. definitely be. They're probably unemployed. Because World War One vets, they they could have been in the war as as early as like fifteen or sixteen, right? Yeah, it happened. Yeah, it happened a lot. So they don't even have to be like These old guys are in and twenties tops. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and just sort of probably lost and just sort of found this kind of identity in five points. Yeah. You know, so would you have the Mulberry the, Bruisers? <laughs> so would you have the uh, the the World War One veterans be the the riot gang, like the, the yeah. people who were responsible yeah, yeah. for the riot? Some, some of these guys would be veterans, yeah. Yeah, not all of them, but definitely some of them. I like that, and still keep them British. <laughs> I'm almost wondering if we kind of play it off as if they didn't really start the riot because of the hats, and they like might... it's a whole other incident. But that's what like the newspaper takes away or something. That was exactly what I was just going to say, Yeah, is that the, that's what the reporting starts to be the next day, and that's what really expands it, is people going out and being like, yeah, I can get behind that. Or, yeah, or, you know, that's nice. interesting. They're, they're, they're starting the riots yeah. based on something else, yeah. but the newspaper takes away, like, well, like, yeah. one guy got his hat pulled off, so it's obviously about exactly. straw hats. Like, they just went down to the docks and started a fight with some longshoremen. <laughs> and, like, I don't know, maybe the, maybe the mob gets involved because yeah. it's the docks. Like, you know, Lucky Luciano, <laughs> the Dutch Schultz, and all these early crime figures. Pull, pull like, a uh, kind of like a Boston Tea party where all the hats get thrown into the river uh-huh. and then like the news journalist just sees like floating straw hats in the yeah, river like somebody from the from the new york herald or, or the globe or yeah, something yeah. it's just like there for it and just catches at the end like one of our guys is, is being a shithead because yeah. they want to fight with the dock workers and, like, <laughs> and get rid of these fucking hats and stomps it <laughs> and like that becomes the story and then he literally just yeah. turns it into that he, he fights the whole movie like i'm telling you it's about the straw hats i don't know what it is are they hiding yeah. things and in it, it works it catches it, it starts with rumor on the first day yeah, and, and just it just people, spreads. People getting into like actual bar fights over it, but then, like the next day, like the papers are out in the morning, and it's a fucking riot. Yeah, for the next two or three days, it's yeah. riots. And I would say most people are bored and they're unemployed. Yeah, 
And it's and we're right. It's uh, it's twenty two. So no, because the Great Depression was 29. twenty nine. Okay, yeah, so we're not there. That's yet. when it really hit. But you know, so I mean, twenty two. Would we have been thriving? I mean, it's the Roaring Twenties, yeah. yeah you know, so we would have been. There, there's a you know, booze culture is is booming, and, and organized it's, crime is flourishing. I mean, flourishing. it's it's literally uh, the, <laughs> just the fact that prohibition exists. It's it's just anger. It's just people that are like yeah. they need to get out their anger somehow. Uh-huh. They can't legally get booze. You know, it's it's they they I, I guess maybe have money since it is the Roaring Twenties. Like people have some money to spend. Uh, you know, that's 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 probably one of the first times where it's like, oh, hey, the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer. Yeah, this is, this is prime time for like Rockefeller and so and we wouldn't Andrew Carnegie and all. Those so people. we wouldn't have uh, what are they called the. The Hoover Huts? What were they called? No, Hoovervilles were, were Hoover during, like the 30s. That was okay. Yeah. So that was the Great Depression. That's a little more into like Cinderella Man. Yeah, um, unless we do change the time period to the 30s. I think it's an, it's an interesting time period to observe. Yeah, if we get to tell stories about guys home from the war and just like you know you don't see a lot of movies in this period. Yeah, it is interesting the fact that it's it's before the Great Depression. It's after World War One. The only real inciting incident <coughs> you'd have is the uh, Prohibition. Like that would be the the yeah. main thing that people are well, upset about. It's a couple about. years after or a year after. Yeah. I mean, so this thing. But it's, it's still there. Yeah. You know, there could be a bust at the beginning of, you know, a legal distillery. Yeah. And I, I do like the idea of of creating it as, um, like, let's say, a, a mob hit. And, like, a journalist <laughs> just happens to be there. Yeah. And they just throw the hats into the river. And the journalist takes that away yep. from everything. And the rumor just spreads like wildfire. Yeah. yeah. And then and then we have people going out and, for some reason, just getting behind the idea of being like, yeah, fucking straw hats. Am I right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and just... we just keep the camera at street level for the entirety of this movie. Yeah. Uh, just in terms of, like, you know, the, uh, it's all occurring to these characters that we're following. And just watching the escalation of it, maybe I don't know. Other things are happening, like people are taking advantage of it, and like robbing houses. Yeah, and, <laughs> and it just turns to full-fledged riots, starting fires, yeah. and all this thing. And it just started from these fights on the first day, and it just yeah. snowballs. And hey, then the media gets involved. Yeah, and that's and all I, you have is newspapers. And I think that's good because then it's then it's not literally just a movie about people fucking stealing straw hats. Yeah, it's a movie <laughs> that starts with that as the inciting incident and just grows to a craze there. Uh, I mean, this was a the three day riot that happened, yeah. so it's just gonna be just constant battle between the police. It, it, yeah. Was it the NYPD? Was, would they have been called that in the twenties? I think I think they were starting to call them that, but like there were these divisions between like the metropolitan police yeah. and the municipal police. Yeah. I think two different fa- like sort of more local versus the whole city type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Like it was weird. <laughs> so you just have these these battles breaking out and. And maybe you follow, we pull kind of like, I don't know, like a Joss Whedon type thing where it's like one small family trying to just get out of the way. Like as, <laughs> as a side story, they're just trying to get out of the way of these riots. And like there, there's this one scene where they're like, they're going through their closets like, burn everything that's straw, burn everything that's straw. <laughs> I, almost, I almost like there being a point in the movie too where there's just this very clear dividing line in class in New York at that time. Where yeah. it's like, they might literally be going, uh, going up Fifth Avenue and like can get no further because of a wall of cops. Like yeah. not getting into this part of town. Mm-hmm. This is where the the Carnegie Mellons are. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it's just like it's we're just protecting like, this nope. area. Yep. As soon as it starts to look nice, as soon like, as you get up near Rockefeller. Yeah. The Five Points was down south, right? It five was... Points is in the financial districts. It's in the financial. Okay, so yeah. it's down by Wall Street. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this would be more about uptown. Yeah, uh, versus downtown, and it just keeps it keeps spreading throughout the city. Yeah. There's a, there's a kernel of truth to this story in that. 
New York and the soul of it really enjoys having these things happen. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, do you know about the 70s blackout riots? I know about the 70s blackout. <laughs> I don't know about the riots. Oh, people were just in the streets, like, looting radio stores <laughs> and taking I know, car radios. I know it was caused by the bouncy ball from Men in Black. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus, what a pull. <laughs> yeah, but the power went out, and just people... People went absolutely nuts yeah. and had kind of a phenomenal time, as that's, I've told the story. I mean, that's legitimately the monsters are due on Maple Street. Mm. Like, that's just the Twilight Zone era thinking of one thing goes wrong that people can't explain, uh-huh. and everyone will just lose their minds. Yeah, the, the blackout was a little more, I don't want to say positive, but a little more right. Like, the power's out. <laughs> Flip the cars, kind of thing. <laughs> but uh, oh, there's a, there's another movie. It's time to loot. Did you ever see the uh, the Son of Sam movie? That uh, which one? I think Spike Lee made it. I don't think so. Um, it just a lot of that too was like just sort of the culture of fear in the city, and there yeah. was a lot of shit happening in the streets because of a Sam was killing people, and be heat wave, just the worst <laughs> fucking heat wave. To be completely honest, my my. Most of my information of that time comes from the Bronx is burning. It's not wrong. That's that's probably where most of my information from the seventies New York comes from. Yeah, I mean that was a time in, in New York history where landlords were uh, burning down apartment buildings for the insurance money Jesus because it was Christ. not it was not worth it to renovate these buildings. Yeah, parts of the Bronx were just always on fire. <laughs> and, and that's just like New York will find positive or negative reasons to just fucking take to the streets. Yeah, yeah. It's a true thing about the soul of New York that I've always loved. Yeah, and that's I mean. That's literally where this goes. It's just they decide they read something in the paper, mm. and then we follow all these characters. Like it, it's like we're following them going to war. Yeah, but you know, it's just literally they walk downstairs from their apartment <laughs> and they grab like an umbrella and they just start running out the door and like yeah. whacking people or some shit. I, love it. I think there should be an escalation too of like. Uh, as the actual riot start, it starts with this kind of like everybody get in the streets and fight kind of vibe. Yeah, and then it gets worse. Yeah, and like things are happening to stores and people are getting actually really badly hurt. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. being down and like, oh, this is out of our control. <laughs> yeah, kind of thing like it's it starts with like almost a mischief night vibe too. Yeah, it. definitely. And then it gets like. Like you know, oh, the cops are here, and they are you know maybe strangling people. Yeah, <laughs> and it's 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 it would end with like the the newspapers still making it about the straw hats. Uh-huh. Like they're not getting the idea of the riot. They're yeah. just still being like, oh, the straw hat riots. And everyone's like, that's <laughs> that's not what this is about. <laughs> Maybe they almost will it into being true. Yeah. Just yeah. because of like, what is media mm-hmm. in, in 1922? Like that's the only place you're getting your information yeah. from. I think there might be rudimentary radio where there's not like stations. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, so yeah, it's newspapers. Newspapers <laughs> are everything. They're just, they're creating, yeah. they're creating this, this monster. Yeah. So maybe we, maybe we have kind of a, a sub focus on, 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 on like a journalist, on maybe. Like, yes. That's somebody like the, the New York Herald Tribune. Yeah. Like so, sort that could of, be your Adrian Brody. sort of a, uh, yeah, right. Actually, that's a good idea. Yeah. Bring Adrian Brody in as like the journalist who starts this. It's kind of like intentionally. Yeah. It's kind of like a, a completely, even though this is based on true events, kind of like a, a fictionalized version of The Post. You yeah. Know, where, like, you have, like, that. It's it's a political thriller. Yeah. It turns. Do you think it's, like, sort of an honest mistake and he's just trying to comment on something that's that's true about the city and the straw hats and everything and it's just getting it wrong? Or do you think he's just such a bitterly cynical reporter that, like, he knows this is going to sell. I think it's that one. I think yeah. it's the second. We just have to figure... We would have to figure out the the character reasoning. 
You know, like his motivation behind doing he, this. He'd be from the same like just group of guys that's hanging out at this this place in Mulberry Street. Because Adrian Brody's what? He's forty five. He's not fifty yet, right? I don't even Let's think say. he's forty five. No. Yeah. Let's see real quick because I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of timeline between like Civil War and the 1920s. Um, oh, he mm. spells it A D R I E N. I did not yeah. know that. Adrian. <laughs> I think it's um, vaguely French. He is 45 exactly. Oh, he's 45 exactly. And he's from New York City. Yeah. I didn't know that. Um, so let's see. So let's say the Civil War ended in 65, right? 1865? Yeah. So let's say 1922 minus 1865. He'd have to be at least in his 70s, so that wouldn't work. Yeah. Oh, um, no, no. He wouldn't be right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm not good at math. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I guess uh, he he can be sort of part of from the same neighborhood, maybe. Yeah, yeah, and he's just aware of this and spirals it out. Maybe he's like, he's losing things to write about. He hasn't had like a good hit for the paper. And yeah, the war's been over for two years. Prohibition not much is to in write about. Yeah, nobody's uh, going after the gangs. Yet. Other other than speakeasies, uh, speakeasies, yeah. which he's which he's looking into, there's nothing else to write about. So yeah. as he sees this mob hit at the speakeasy, he makes it about something else. Yeah. So it's literally like, oh, shit, just I'm not making this <laughs> about the speakeasy or the mob yeah. hit anymore. Just some this kids is something he knew new. from the neighborhood. Yeah. Just beating on this dock worker. Yeah. For, I don't know, for reasons. They're just pissed off and post-traumatic. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he literally just turns it into something else because he wants to write something else. Yeah. I like it. I like it a lot. It's almost got, uh, did you ever watch The Wire? I haven't actually. One of the things I love about the wire is they focus on all levels of uh, the community in Baltimore. Like everybody remembers, like the drug dealer and the cop parts, mm-hmm. but also they focus on the, new, the Baltimore newspaper. Okay, and they focus on people who work on the docks and all these different storylines, and they all kind of intersect in the way things work in mm-hmm. Baltimore. So I almost, yeah, I think patterning it after the wire in that sense and making the newspaper a big part of it would be really cool. Yeah, I like the idea of turning this action comedy. But making it literally an action comedy slash uh, political thriller mm-hmm. where we have this subplot of Adrian Brody's character just coming up with this storyline, but also the actual riots happening. And from an audience perspective, understanding, like, this isn't what this is about, yep. but this is what he's writing. Yep. So it's it's uh, misdirection, pretty much. There's a quote from this um, uh, John Ford movie, uh, The Man Who Shot Liberty of Balance. It's a Western with Jimmy Stewart mm-hmm. and uh, John Wayne. And uh, there's this quote from the end of it that is the most true thing anyone's ever said in a motion picture. It says, when the legend becomes fact, print the legend. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. You can make it true. Yeah. You can make it true if you're in charge of the newspaper. <laughs> well, okay, so now let's let's go one step further. What do you think the tagline would be of the film? Mm. Ooh. <laughs> No, that's too sexual. The first thing that popped in my head was take it off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, what's a good tagline for a movie like this? Yeah, I'm trying to think Bottom of Bottom of something. the poster. So we have like, okay, so uh-huh. let's say we call it, I don't know, Mulberry Bend, because I think that's a decent name. Although That's actually a good name for a movie, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we call it Mulberry Bend. I, I'm seeing like... Even though this isn't the area, but like I'm seeing like the poster looking down Fifth Ave, like a straight shot of the street uh-huh. and people maybe running at you from far away. You know? Interesting. Like the oh, po- yeah, point yeah. of view of like people coming at yeah. you with clubs. Hat in the foreground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just, <laughs> just on, on the, the ground. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love just it. Just ripped up trampled. on the ground. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Perfect. Yeah. And then it's got to be something like, um, oh man, what should it be? 
Well, I'll tell you what. If we can't come up with them, everyone who's listening, why don't you come up with your I, own tagline? I, I think E has the trademark on the expression fashion police, but like, I would love yeah. to incorporate that to the tagline. Yeah. Like, you know, when the fashion police here become comes a the thing. fashion police. Yeah, yeah, something like that. It's like, it's like I'm, I'm trying to think, but yeah. Maybe we can have it um, for our listeners to come up with their own taglines. I'd love to hear it. Post up about it. Uh, wherever we end up posting this podcast, <laughs> <laughs> wherever we'll wherever we'll host it, <laughs> uh, and then uh, reach out so to how us. How does like this? This is the thing I've been struggling with. Is how does a movie like this end? That's what I was also thinking about. Because I mean, let's see. So, Gangs of New York literally ends with the end of the fight, and then it just kind of shows the fast forward of time in New York City's timeline. Yeah, and showing the the actual as backdrop if, uh, as if we were never here. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I would say it would kind of go that route, where like. It would kind of I'm, – I'm, I'm envisioning this one scene, but it, it's way too close to a post-credit scene setting up a sequel. Mm-hmm. But it's like in the future, some guy's doing research for whatever, the New York Times or something, mm-hmm. and he comes across the – you know, going through those those big computer screens with oh, like the old uh, newspaper articles? Yeah, microfiche. Yeah, when they're archiving and stuff, and he just comes across the article written by Adrian Brody's character, and he's just <laughs> like, huh, and then like cut to yeah, black. True story. <laughs> wow. Can't believe people were fucking rioting over straw hats. <laughs> yeah, what a weird, different time. <laughs> it's just like, nah, it's the same. And then people it, are lying in newspapers. And then it's like someone wearing like I don't know, like a fucking scarf, and it's just someone yelling like, "It's the summer, take off the scarf." <laughs> don't wear white after Labor Day. <laughs> I think an, an image uh, I can probably blend it into what you're talking about, but like an image of the the end of the movie I had. Uh, kind of playing on the absurdity of it is like we have the last day of the riots and we focus on that and fade to black for a bit and we come up the next morning on like a couple people going out in the streets like expecting it to be the same thing again yeah and it's just and the streets are just empty yeah I like that idea because that literally becomes like this was all for nothing and they're just sitting on a stoop and like as 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 dangerous as that is in in cinema to create something where you're telling the audience like this meant nothing because that kind of takes away from like an audience's viewing like well then why the fuck am I watching this you know but it's like it's kind of an interesting idea to have it literally be like there was no point to any of this the Ooh. day went on. <laughs> you you brought up having the like the milkman or the ice yeah. truck guy being like you see him in the riots. Yeah, yeah. So here's here's this gave me a good idea for like the denouement of it. So we see him at the beginning of the movie just like delivering whatever on the back of a cart. And we see him in the riots absolutely like wailing on people yeah. like this barbarian god. Like and like then, suddenly they, like something snapped in him. Yeah, yeah. This just was like something he always wanted. Everybody is working out their frustration in the yeah. early twenties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Veterans and like just race and all these things <laughs> bubbling over, yeah. just like with the excuse of the straw hats. So we see the milkman doing it in the middle of the riots, and then when we do that coda at the end, of, towards the end of the movie, where like nothing's happening on the streets now, we see him making deliveries again, but he's got like a, just a huge, just like bruise on the side of his face. Yeah, just, and it's just like it's back to normal. You you were there yesterday, huh? <laughs> yep, I was. Here's your milk. <laughs> it's just quietly going by, <laughs> and it's just like no one getting like yeah. there. There has to be. I don't know if retribution is the right word, but there has to be something that happens to Adrian Brody's character. Mm. Like, there, there has to be something that, uh, consequence, you know? There has to be a consequence to his doing this and creating this um, narrative. Okay. So, I mean, it, it did end rather suddenly, just after the three days, or it just petered out. I'm yeah. not sure which. But we can try and involve class and the police in it again, maybe. Like, he's, he's just, like, writing something for print. And just one of the the great financial figures of New York is in his editor's office. Yeah. And it's just like, uh, no, the riots are over. No, they're not. It's still happening right now. No, they're done. 
Yeah. Like that kind of thing. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like just when it becomes an annoyance for yeah. people who actually like own the police, or own the city, <laughs> then it is absolutely done. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like... It could be Rockefeller or Carnegie or... I, I don't think that Adrian Brody's character should ever be involved in the riots. Yeah. I think he should literally be like... Making shit up. You know what I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of thinking of him in terms of um, what's his name's character from Saving Private Ryan? Mm-hmm. Uh, the one who's just the typist. Album. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the guy who played a really good Charlie Manson. In, Jeremy uh, Davies is his Jeremy name. Davies, yeah. yeah. Played a really good Charlie Manson in uh, Helter Skelter. I never um, saw Helter Skelter. Phenomenal in that movie. Uh, but I would say like something along the lines of that character. Where like kind of like, I don't know, a little squirrely. You know, yeah, I like it. Where he's just kind of like he's just doing this because he needs something new to write about. He doesn't <laughs> he doesn't care who it affects, and it ends up literally affecting the entire city. Like yeah. in essence, he created these riots for three days. We're just following these kids around the city and like cutting back to his newsroom as he's coming up with these stories, and then we're just watching them sort of be willed into existence by people figuring this out. I think I figured out how it ends. Okay. So it's uh, it's narrative of him writing the final days paper or something like that. Um, and, and I have the idea of, remember in 61, the Billy Crystal movie, at the end when the, the one kind of like douchey writer <laughs> is like writing and, and, and the guys, uh, the one guy's talking to him, he's like, have you ever played baseball? And he's like, no, not really. He's like, that's what I thought. And he's just writing, he's like, this may sound weird, but the greatest baseball moment I've ever seen was Roger Maris bunting out to Hoyt Wilhelm, blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. Like, it's just kind of like that idea where he's just like writing like, ah, the straw hat, straw hat riots are finally coming to a close and it's obviously been a, an incredible uproar of citizenship. And You've been anywhere but your apartment in the newsroom? Yeah. In the past three days? Not really. <laughs> it's just like that. Like it just shows yeah. that he's like this turd of a person. Yeah. I think the powers of B get involved if he wants some retribution happening to him. Like maybe he has to cover uh I don't know, like what's a really shitty gig for a newspaper. Uh, yeah, right? Like, like especially in the twenties. Uh maybe, I don't know. Maybe he has ambitions of being like, you know, the number one news guy and they move him to like doing like Broadway shit. Yeah. Or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's gotta be I, is there consequence or is – I mean, there has to be because there's no consequence really to the riot itself. So we can't have it that everything is, yeah. like, pointless. There has to be yeah. some type of consequence for someone. For Adrian, yeah. Yeah, so it definitely has to be for his Use character. Use the riots themselves to, to really have people in that period working out elements of class frustration and race frustration. Yeah. And, and post-war fatigue and yeah. and stress. And, and there's there's just so many areas that you can go with it because yeah. because of the amount – like you of, of the things you just listed. There's so many different places. Yeah that it can go for different characters and it kind of becomes in an interesting way like a little bit of a character study of all these characters like just joining in for whatever reason they Uh seem necessary to themselves (laughs) I like that it's like it's it's literally like the the idea of that milkman you know of like it's just um, what's the movie I'm thinking of there's a movie where it's it's probably a lot of movies, but it's when, uh, you know, like you see someone and it's in their normal day job and then after, it's kind of like the purge, right? Where, oh, like, okay, they, okay. You see them in their normal day job, yeah, yeah, yeah. but then once something <laughs> happens, they turn to a completely different person. <laughs> and then it's just about literally going back to that normal day job and having to look at those people the same way you looked at them prior to this Ooh. issue breaking out. Yeah. And it's like, okay, it's like, oh, you're delivering my milk. I saw you bludgeon a homeless man last night. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a big flaw of the Purge movie. It's like, yes, there are consequences. There <laughs> yeah. might be, not be legal consequences. But yeah. like, you're probably going to get fired. Yeah, right? You be on the news doing you this You murdered shit. my family. I'm going to fucking kill you. <laughs> yeah. You just wait till next Purge day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I think I think that's it. I think uh, yeah. I think we figured this one out. Yeah. I want to see this movie. <laughs> All right, Hollywood. <laughs> Send us. us some money so that we can make this film. Call me. And uh, you know, if someone else wants to make this film, just give us a writing credit. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take a check for five thousand dollars. We've we've actually discussed that uh, a little bit in depth about like when we do this podcast, like what's to stop people from just taking these ideas and running with them? It's like, well, nothing. We'll shame them. <laughs> <laughs> if you want, if you want to take this idea and write a movie. We would love to see it. <laughs> we have our own movie that we're working on. Which Let us be in the movie. Yeah. We have our own movie we're working on that, that's based off of a true story, but we're not doing it on the podcast for that specific reason. Yeah, get your own. <laughs> <laughs> all right, it everybody. It involves pancakes. <laughs> and that's all we will tell you. <laughs> and that is not a joke. It involves pancakes. Um, all right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh, hopefully you uh, enjoyed the second episode as much as the first. Uh, and uh, we'll have episode three sometime soon. And... Uh, Love to hear from you. Again, if you want to write us a tagline or something for this movie, come up with your own title or cast, director, whatever. Uh, please comment and or email us and let us know. Mm-hmm. Our email is uh, uh, wdygpodcast at gmail.com. Is it podcast w- or pod? What do you got? Yeah. W-D-Y-G <laughs> podcast, not I think pod. it's podcast. Yeah. I'm I've pretty on, sure it's podcast. I've been on it twice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we have one conversation on it. Uh, that's wdygpodcast at gmail.com if you want to uh, – Write to us and let us know your cast, director, plot, tagline, whatever. We're sending us cool, like, true stories. <laughs> yeah, yeah, please. Send us stories that you're finding because we're constantly finding new stuff to create for new episodes. But uh, we are always looking for some wackadoodle shit to uh, make movies out of. <laughs> wackadoodle. <laughs> um, any last words? I don't know. Get out there and put pen to paper, kids. That's what we're talking about. All right. See you later. What Do You Got is recorded live at the Cape Swoosh Studios in Bloomfield, New Jersey. Our theme song was written and performed by Trevor Campbell. Additional music is provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. And our wonderful logo was designed by Gabby Weiss. You can find her on Twitter at, at Gabby Weiss. 